The history of this phrase can be traced to within a few decades of America's birth as a nation. The words were inspired by the Star Spangled Banner, which was written by Francis Scott Key during the War of 1812. The poem recalls the symbolic sight of an American flag still standing over Fort McHenry, having survived a night of naval bombardment from British ships. In the fourth stanza of the poem, Key writes, Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation. And this be our motto, in God is our trust. The phrase would appear years later during the opening months of the American Civil War, when a reverend petitioned the government to add a statement recognizing Almighty God in some form on our coins. The task fell to the director of the United States Mint, James Pollock, a man whose strong religious beliefs were well known. Pollock felt that the phrase from the Star Spangled Banner was the appropriate choice. He wrote, The sentiment is familiar to every citizen of our country. It has thrilled the hearts and fallen in song from the lips of millions of American freemen. The time for the introduction of this motto is propitious and appropriate. Tis an hour of national peril and danger, an hour when man's strength is weakness, where our strength and our nation's strength and salvation must be in the God of battles and nations. Let us reverently acknowledge his sovereignty and let our coinage declare our trust in God. Since then, through times of war and hardship, through times of prosperity and peace, the words, in God we trust, remind us that our trust in a faithful God is what truly matters most.
good to see you this morning. I'm glad that you've chosen to be with us here at the assembly on this Independence Day weekend. We just wanna give you an opportunity to get out from your seat and meet those around you. Take a second. Good morning, church. It's so good to see you today. You look fantastic. Happy Independence Weekend. Happy Fourth of July. Are you ready to celebrate? Are you thankful for your freedom today? Amen. My name is Jason Berry. I'm one of these associate pastors here at the Assembly. We're so glad to have you here. If you're a guest with us today, you're going to find a connection card in the seat back in front of you. Please take that, fill it out, and drop it in the offering as your gift to us. It allows us to get connected with you, and uh, we're going to share a few things with you a little bit later in the week, but thank you for joining us. There's so many places you could be today specifically, and that you're here is a great honor. It's good to have you at the assembly. So many things going on. When you came in, you received a bulletin, and I just want to share a few things with you. Growth Track is a, a great way that uh, you can get connected with our church ministry. If you want to find out more about the church, our beliefs, our staff, and learn how you can follow that path to church membership, Growth Track is a great place to start. Check that out. Living Free, a new season, a new uh, semester is about to begin on July 10th. If you're interested in finding a new way to just kind of restart life or really examine where you're at in your walk with God and maybe get over an obstacle that's in your way, I encourage you to check out Living Free. It happens on Monday nights. Fantastic teaching, fantastic work is being done through Living Free. And then last, I just want to mention that our, our schools, Small World Learning Center and Summit Christian Academy, both have openings right now, and they're open enrollment. We encourage you to give them a call, find out more of how they can be a blessing to your family this time uh, and in the fall as well. So many great things happening, and as our ushers are coming forward to receive today's offerings, I just want to share with you some really great stuff. Pastor Ron has been on a ministry assignment this week with, with uh, the... Uh, Mighty Oaks, I just lost my brain for a minute. If you saw me a few minutes ago, I threw my phone to the altar. I just gave it to the Lord, I was holding it. I dropped it, I tried to catch it, and as I tried to catch it, I smacked it forward. My son applauded me, that was really awkward. So if you have anything you need to get leave at the altar today, this is, this is the day. Well, Pastor Ron's been on assignment at Mighty Oaks where he's on the board. It is a fantastic program that ministers to wounded warriors and men that are coming off of the battlefield and, and just trying to deal with some life struggles. And he sent uh, a video clip that we're gonna share with you during the offering. And I know it's gonna bless you. But uh, before we do that, I wanna introduce our guest today. Dr. Glenn Reynolds is a fantastic minister. He was here with us for the Preaching and Leadership Lab a few years ago. He is uh, uh, 
one of the best communicators that I've heard in a while. And I was so honored and blessed by your message this morning. You're in for a treat today. He'll introduce himself a little bit more to you in a few moments. But uh, uh, God has some great things in store. And I hope you just are ready to open your heart and receive the word of God today. Are you ready for that? Amen. Well, let's pray for our offering today. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for this weekend where we celebrate freedom, freedom that comes through you and by your sovereign hand. We pause today to give thanks for all that you've done for us. And as we give back a little of what you've given to us, we, Lord, we pray that you'll bless gift and giver alike in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everyone. I'm here at Sky Rose Ranch in California. And I just completed a board meeting with the Mighty Oaks Foundation and Chad Robichaux. And now tonight is going to be a graduation of 39 more warriors who have gone through the week-long intensive. Reed Hasty from our church has been one of the team leads. He continues to be strategic in this great program. And so I just want to say thank you because once again, lives have been changed. I don't know of any other program that's helping our veterans like this one and your sacrifice is part of the great success that is happening. So thank you so much, and God bless you. But what we're gonna do over the next five days is give you the tools, the resources, and the opportunity for you to figure it out. You see this life thing? It's not about you. This program, it's not about you. It's not about you getting better so you can live a better life. It's about you becoming fully what you were created to be so you can turn around and help someone else. Mighty Oaks, the foundation of Mighty Oaks. One guy got hurt, someone helped him get up, he turned around and found someone else that needed to get up, and we've just been doing that for the last five years. But you have to make a decision. It also allows us and gives us an opportunity to, to take off that mask. Often, we try to get help, the mask gets the help. But here, if we can get that mask off, we get the help. We help each other. It's peer-to-peer -peer based. Legacy. 
It's your story. The question is this. If the people around you lived their lives the way you're living your life right now, would they end up in a place that you're proud of? If the only example the people around you had to follow was you, and they did, would they end up in some place as a husband, as a father, as a citizen, as a church member, would they end up in the place that you would be proud to have taken them to? If you guys like it or not, that's what happens. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be here with you today. My name is Glenn Reynolds, and I have been a friend of your pastor for, I don't know, 25 to 30 years, back a long time ago. I preached for him when he was at Pine Bluff, Arkansas, when he was in Memphis, but this is my first time to preach here. I was at the Preaching Leadership Lab, but this is my first time to be here with you on a Sunday at the assembly, and I'm excited and glad to be here. You know, you have guest speakers come in all the time, and they always compliment the pastor and his wife, and maybe that's because they're sitting in the front row and they're trying to suck up to them a little bit, but Ron and uh, Kelly are not here today, but I do want to tell you, you have a couple of the best uh, pastor and pastor pastor's wives in the country, and I think you should express your appreciation to them. I'm so glad they're my friend. I was just telling, telling um, Pastor Jason a little story about uh, Ron and Kelly. One time we were at a, a meeting, and it was a church service. Don't get any ideas from this, uh, because this service may not even go that long. We were in this service, and uh, it was a national service at a big national meeting. I think it was in Denver, Colorado. And man, we had sat there for about an hour and a half, and we weren't even to the preaching yet, and it was boring, and it was dry, and he texted me. He said, I can't believe I shaved to come to this service tonight. And does that sound like him or not? And so he, I'm like, well, we could go. We could leave. He's like, no, we should stay. I said, no, we should leave. And he said, no, we have to stay. I said, no, let's go. Let's go see a movie. And finally, he said, okay, let's leave. And so we left, and we went to see a movie. And the only thing we could find that was decently rated for us was some, I don't even remember, some Muppet movie or something like that. About 30 minutes into that movie, he texts me, this is worse than the service. We need to leave. And so God got us back for skipping out of church early. That's the moral of the story. So here's the deal. Today, my flight leaves at 4. So I have to be at the airport at 3. And it's 15 minutes away, so I think we could go to 2.30 and be safe. Is everybody in on that? We're just going to start verse by verse through Leviticus this morning. It's going to be a great ride, good time, great holiday weekend study of the book of Leviticus today. Uh, if you have your Bible, take it with me and turn to Luke, not Leviticus. We're going to look at Luke this morning. Let me um, let you know more about me so you know who I'm talking to. My name's Glenn. I'm from Kentucky originally. Go Wildcats. Are there any Kentucky? Thank you. Thank you, the true believers of God here in the house. Uh, go Big Blue, we like that. Um, I live in Virginia, uh, married to my wife, Amberly. We've been married 26 years this summer, July 20th. There she is. Amberly is an incredible woman. She's a great lady. I love her, and uh, she's, um, she's an immigrant to the United States. She's from Texas, and... Uh, 
It's, it's a whole other country down there, isn't it? You know, uh, she, she grew up in San Antonio. Anybody San Antonio? Love San Antonio. We got married down there in uh, San Antonio 26 years ago, July 20th, 1991, we got married. And we got three kids, and I know we don't look old enough to have a married kid, but here's our married kid. This is Grant, and that's me doing the marrying to him. He married Nicolette. She's from New York City. It's very different than Texas. We're adjusting. We're learning uh, what things mean and what things are, but they're wonderful young couple. They got married this uh, February 19th, actually, February 19th, and they're so hipsters. They got married, not in a church, they got married in a warehouse. Everybody had on skinny jeans. It was very interesting. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's, my Grant, you know, he's got that, that hipster thing. He doesn't even need those glasses. He just wears them and gets a haircut like that, and uh, I just, I don't understand how it all works, but it's working for them. He does young adult ministry, uh, at, uh, at a church there in um, Virginia Beach, Virginia, where we, where we live. And Nicolette's wonderful. And they've just got a dog now. So that's great. So I'm a, a grand puppy father, I guess. I don't know what that means. But my next, Grant is very musical, hipstery, and all that stuff. And then my second son is my athlete. That's Corbin. And uh, he's just a little stud. He actually does rap music. And he's a home, white homeschool rapper. You'd think that wouldn't work, but it does. It works out really good, actually. He's, he's got some stuff online. You should take a look at it. Corbin Reynolds just released a new album. He's actually good. I don't understand a word of it, but it sounds good. Uh, and we are Orioles fans. And so that's us at Camden Yards last year taking in an Orioles game, and uh, we had a good time. Uh, this year, not so much. If y'all follow baseball, they're not doing that great. I think they're about like the Cardinals this year, playing right around 500. I know Pastor Jason's a big Cardinals fan. I think they're right around 500. And then this is my favorite of my three kids. That's my daughter, uh, Morgan. I like her more than the other two. And uh, she's my 13-year-old. She's 13. She looks 17. Uh, that's on the way to school. I was dropping her off at school. We were listening to the radio, and uh, Walk Like an Egyptian came on, you know. So we were walking like an Egyptian with the bangles. How many remember the bangles? Anybody? Or is that... All right, so that's, that's what we were doing and having a good time. So that's the kids. That's the family. That's what we do. I'm an ordained minister, and then someone's got a pastor churches of 25 people, 250 people, 2,500 people, and I'm also an attorney. Went through a, a challenging time of life, and I was going to counseling, and the counselor said, you need a hobby. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go to law school. And uh, so I, many times I wish I'd taken up painting instead. But, uh, but now we run a Reynolds Leadership Group, which uh, provides consulting and assistance to churches on strategic planning and development, travel and preach, but also have Reynolds Law Group, which we... Uh, incorporate churches, we do estate planning, and we sue people. And it's fun. And we like it. It's good. It's good. Uh, somebody's got to do it. Do you know how many lawyers it takes to shingle a roof? 30? 30? No, it depends on how thin you slice them. And so that's, the, that's, my new, that's my new favorite lawyer joke. Everywhere I go, people tell me lawyer jokes. Um, Francis Scott Key, though, guy that wrote the Star Spangled Banner, lawyer. So there you go. Well, take a look with me in your Bible now that you uh, found out all the stuff you need to know and more. Let's look at Luke. If you have your Bible with me today, let's turn to Luke chapter number 13, verse 6 through 9. Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. This is a little parable. Just three verses, that's it. That's all it gets. You know, Jesus tells some amazing parables that we all remember, that we could all tell from our heart. Remember the parable of the prodigal son? 
Uh, the story of the mustard seed, uh, the parable of the unrighteous judge, all kinds of parables Jesus tells us. I, I call these tales of a curious king. These are, these are parables that Jesus tells us to describe what the kingdom of God is like. Often he would say, listen, here's what the kingdom of God is like, and then he would tell a parable. So I call them tales of a curious king because Jesus is a king very different from others. So if you have your Bible there, either open it or if you have it on your phone, if you could stop Facebook for just a moment and come with me over, punch into your Bible there. I know what it's like. I understand. It's hard. It's hard. Look with me in Luke chapter 13, and we're going to look here at uh, verses 6 through 9, this little parable. Three verses buried in the shadows of these other more well-known parables. But in it is the key to starting over. How many of you have ever had an area of your life that you wish you could have a do-over? Say amen. Uh, you remember that when we were kids, we played outside until it was too dark. And my mom came out and she would yell down the street for us all to come home. Mainly what we played was baseball. Sometimes we played kickball. And there would be something that would happen, something that would go wrong. Somebody would have a, a fight, an argument. Was he safe? Was he out? Was it a strike? Was it a ball? Did he catch it? Did he drop it? What was it? And then on the end, we would never be able to agree, and we didn't have a real umpire. So what did we say? We said, well, let's just have a do-over. Let's just do it again. Let's, let's start over. And if you're like me, you've had many times in life where you've wanted to just go ahead and start over. I remember the time I was at my church in Des Moines, Iowa. I was very excited, very, very thrilled, very enthralled, very into the service. It was a great moment. The Holy Spirit was moving. God was on the scene. It was about to have a cataclysmic breakthrough of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the people were about to shout. And I said, let's all give God a great crap of praise. <laughs> the word I meant to say was clap. If you didn't get that sentence and pick out the wrong word, it was the one that was clap should have been in there. I wish I could have had a do-over that day. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Another time I stood up and I welcomed everyone. I said, good morning. Welcome to Christian Life Assembly. I'd like to welcome all of you who are nude with us this morning. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not a very good public speaker. That's why I decided to go to law school. I wanted to take that in so bad. I stopped and I thought, no, just keep going, keep going, keep going. But then one woman over here in this section, someone over here, similar to some of these ladies right here, I'm sure, just started giggling a little under her breath. And then the giggle spread like holy laughter all across the building until everybody was just laughing. And I kept trying to just keep going, just keep going. And finally, I just sat down and turned the mic to the worship pastor who said, I'd like to welcome all of our first time guests with us today. We all need to do over every now and then. We all want to start over. Maybe you took a job and you wish you could just take a different one. Maybe you picked a school to go to and you got there and you were like, man, I wish I was going someplace else. Maybe you've, you, you bought a, a purchase, bought a house, bought a car, and afterwards you're like, man, I wish I could get back out of that. Maybe you committed to a relationship and then later you're like, I, I wish I could get out of this situation. You need to do over. You need to start again. Or maybe it's something even worse than that. Maybe it's in your own spiritual life. Maybe you're at a place of barrenness. Maybe you're at a place of emptiness. Maybe you've drifted from God and you can't figure out, how did I get where I am? I wish I could go back. I can't find the finish line from here. I wish I could go back and find the starting point and start this journey all over again. Because I don't even know how I made it here. Well, Jesus tells us a story about a barren 
fig tree. And in this story, he tells us how to start over again in some area of our lives. Let's take a look at this story. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard. And he went to look for fruit on it. But it didn't have any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man said, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it and if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then let's cut it down. And that's the end of the story. Jesus says, here's the deal. There's a fig tree and the fig tree is barren. The fig tree is not producing. The fig tree isn't doing what it's supposed to do. And so the man who owns the vineyard comes and he looks at the fig tree and he says, listen, I came looking at this fig tree. I expected there to be figs on it, but there's nothing there. This fig tree is just spindly. This fig tree doesn't even have leaves. This fig tree isn't doing the thing that it was created to do. And more than that, it's taking up nutrients from the soil. It's taking advantage of the soil. It's causing other trees to become barren because it's draining the life from them as well. He said to the man that runs the vineyard, here's what I want you to do. I want you to cut it down now. And the man says, well, hold up. Let's wait just a minute here. Before we pull out the chainsaw, before we pull out the the tree trimmers, let's give it a year. And in that year, let me work with it. Let me pull up the weeds. Let me, let me break up the soil. Let me dig around the tree. Let me water it. Let me put some fertilizer in it. Let me get some nutrients in there. And then if after a year it's not working, then we'll come back. And then we'll cut it down. And this story, this parable, these three verses, within these three verses, we find three ingredients for redemption in our own lives. We find three ingredients that are required if we're going to start over. If we have a part of our life that's barren, if it's our finances, if it's a relationship, if it's our career, if it's our spiritual life, we have some area of our life that's barren. We find three ingredients here to start over in this passage of Scripture. And the first one is this. Number one is grace. Everybody say grace. If you're going to start over, you have to have grace. The man looks at the tree, the owner looks at the tree, and he says, this tree's not producing more than that. Not only is it not producing, it's sucking up nutrients from somebody else. What we need to do is cut it down. But the manager came and said, no, what we don't need to do, we don't need to cut it down. We need to give it a little more time. How many many of you are glad that Jesus has given us a little more time? The man says, let's give this tree some grace. But did you notice in the passage... Look at what it said. He said, so he's been coming to the tree now for what? For three years. This wasn't going to be the second chance to produce. That happened on year one when they didn't cut it down. It wasn't going to be the third chance. That happened on year two when they didn't cut it down. This was going to be the fourth chance for this tree to finally start producing before it cut it down. How many of you are glad that Jesus doesn't just give second chances? He gives third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth chances. He's a God of grace. He is a gracious and loving God. Jesus, this is what the kingdom is like. Everybody else says, cut that person out, cut that person down. They're not producing. They're not adding value. They're sucking up space. But Jesus, through this parable, says what we need to do with those kind of people is we need to give them grace. 
grace. So we need, to, we need to give another opportunity. We need to give another chance. We need to give it some more time. You know, in that season of life that I was going through when I was deciding to go to law school and deciding to, to, to what was I going to do with ministry and what was God doing, it had been a very challenging time in our lives. We, I went through a fall in one period of months from September to December. Number one thing that happened was the first thing that happened was my son told me, my oldest son that you saw in the video or in the picture, told me that he had been sexually abused by a youth worker in our church for over a three-year period. Second thing that happened is my grandmother died. Third thing that happened is my father said he didn't want to talk to me anymore. Fourth thing that happened, I had to fire two staff members. They were the highest paid staff members because they just weren't producing. It wasn't happening. Budget was shrinking. Somebody had to go. There had to be something happen. I had to let them go. It just went on and on and on. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where, where I'm going. I made some bad decisions in there. How many of you know every now and then not everything is our fault, but sometimes a lot of stuff is our fault? I, I've been the victim of friendly fire in church. Am I the only one? But I've also shot myself in the leg sometimes too. How about that? You know, every now and then, I am my greatest enemy. And in that season where I was suffering some friendly fire and I also shot myself, I had a friend fly 1,200 miles out just to see me and to talk to me and to help me make some decisions and take some steps forward. You know who that was? It was your pastor because he's a grace giver. You see, we need friends like that. We need people in our lives who are going to look at us and say, okay, you, you've decided to resign from the 34th largest church of the entire Assemblies of God. You've decided to give up your six-figure salary. You've decided to launch out and then this new thing. You, you're telling us you, you're, you're barren. You need some new beginning. You need some start. Well, now that you're not in that place of influence and importance anymore, I don't want to have anything to do with you. That's what a lot of people have said. But your pastor is a grace giver who says, even though you may not producing in the soil like you used to, I'm not going to cut you out of my life. I'm not going to cut you down. I want you to be a partner with me because I see God is doing a new thing in you. How many are grateful for people like that? How many want to be people like that? Who don't just look at people to say, what are they, what can I get from this tree, but maybe what can I give to this tree? You see, that's what grace is. All of us need grace because none of us deserve what we get from God. You see, here's, here's what grace is. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is, grace is getting something that we don't deserve. Grace isn't about who deserves what, because if we all got what we would deserve, we would all have been cut down a long time ago. But God gives us grace that is greater than all of our sin. Second thing, though, if you only have grace, that grace just means you get another year. And all you do with grace is if you don't do anything to that tree, you know where you're going to be next year? Right back where you started from. You know, when my kids were little, they would do stuff. And I would say, say to them, Corbin, why didn't you take the trash out again? It was full. Or better yet, why did you take the trash and just drop it on the stairs in the garage? It was only 20 more feet across the garage to the trash can. Put it in the trash can. Anybody else, does that sound familiar? You know, and I'm like, he's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. Be different. I'm tired of sorry. I want something different. If all you get is grace but don't change, you're never going to be redeemed because here's what redemption is. Redemption is being restored for the thing that you were created to do. 
Israel is a slave in Egypt. That's not what they were created to be. They were never created to be under the thumb of a foreign king. They were created to be the people of God. They are in slavery in Egypt. But here comes Moses to what? To redeem them, to take them out of what they weren't made to do and to put them back into the thing that they were made to do. They just didn't need grace to stay in Egypt. They needed grace and truth to get into what they were supposed to do. This tree didn't just need another year to stay barren. It needed to figure out what made it barren to start with. So you just don't need grace. You need grace and truth. Say those three words with me. Ready? Grace and truth. One more time. Ready? If you want to have your life redeemed, if you want your barrenness to sprout and grow fruit again, you've got to have grace. Give yourself a break. Receive God's grace. But number two, you have to have the truth. And here's the truth. You're lost. You, you, you're, you're like somewhere. I, there, I've had periods of my life where I was like, I was in between lost and very lost. Anybody else been there? I remember one day. One day I was standing. I, can I be open? Is this the service you can be open in and transparent? I, okay, so, so I'm standing there. The church I pastored had grown from 1,500 to over 2,500. We had 6,000 people come to Easter service. I mean, I was like a big deal in town. Local celebrity, everybody knew me. It was great. I was standing there one day, though, at my bathroom in my office. I had an office that had a balcony. My office was very big. It had a desk, had a credenza, had chairs, had a couch, had other chairs, had a table, had its own bathroom, had a balcony that could fit 30 people out on the balcony. I'm standing in the bathroom of this office, and it's got a a granite... uh, Top, a lot of people thought it was marble, but I just took it for granted. But no, that's a joke. <laughs> the jokes get better if you laugh harder. Okay, so, so there it was. I'm standing there getting ready to go to a funeral. I'm in my suit, and I have the secretary out there, and she had told me, oh, your overcoat has too much lint on it. So she's brushing the lint off of it while I'm brushing my teeth at my marble, granite, whatever it was, sink, and a man's waiting there, a volunteer, a deacon in the church who's going to drive me because God forbid the man of God drive himself, and he's got my little stuff standing there. And I stood there, and I thought, is this what ministry is? When did I stop being a shepherd and start being the CEO of a Christian organization. I said, I have reached the top of this ladder and found it's leaning against the wrong wall. I've made it here, and here's what I found out. I was no happier with 2,500 people than I was with 250. I will say I was happier than with 25, but no happier than with 250. (laughs) 25, I only made 50 bucks a week. I needed a little more than that to care for my family. And I began to say, God, is this what there is? Because even though there was all kinds of this other kind of fruit, I began to look and feel like I was barren inside. And so if you say, God, give me grace, that's one thing. But if you don't do anything with it a year from then, you're going to be where? The same place you were, caught between lost and very lost. So you have to ask yourself this very important question to determine the truth. And that's this, how did I get here? How did I get here? Turn to your neighbor and ask him that. Say, how'd you get here? How'd you get here? I'm going to tell you how you got to a place of barrenness. If you have a barren marriage, if you have a barren relationship with somebody else, if if you have barren finances, if your dream for God is barren, if you're like that fig tree, I'm going to tell you how you got there. You got there gradually and then suddenly. 
In Ernest Hemingway's book, The Sun Also Rises, the two characters are talking to each other. And one character asked the other character this. He said, "Uh, Mike, how did you go bankrupt? And he said, I went bankrupt gradually and then suddenly. And I think that's how life happens, isn't it? We make these gradual decisions, these little decisions to go this way, these little decisions to cut that out of our life, this little decision to allow this relationship to grow, this little decision and a little decision and a little decision, and we're not really paying much attention because drift doesn't happen quickly. But then all of a sudden, you know, in bankruptcy, it's like you pay this one, you pay that one, you pay this one, you pay that one, you pay this, you pay that, you cover this, you're paying, uh, you know, robbing from Peter to pay Paul, as it says. But then all of a sudden, one day comes and boom, there's no money to rob from anybody else and it's all gone. And the same thing can happen in our spiritual lives, our emotional lives, our relational lives. We rob from one to pay the other and rob from this one to pay that one and rob from here to pay there. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day like I did and say, man, I don't have any friends that are not on my payroll. How did I get to this place? Or you wake up and you say, I'm the pastor of this big church, but I'm not sure I'm connected with God that much. And you look back and you say, I didn't get here overnight. I got here by this decision and this decision and that decision. And I need grace, but I also have to have what? I also have to have truth because if I don't know how I got there, I don't know how I'm going to get out of there. But I'm glad that Jesus is a God of grace and truth, aren't you? What does John chapter 1 verse 14 say? I love this passage of scripture. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the one and only begotten of the father. Full of what? Full of grace and truth. Say those two words with me. Ready? Grace and truth. He says he's full of grace and truth. Look down here in John Chapter number one, and verse, that was verse 14 that I quoted to you. But John chapter one, verse number 16 says this. For the law was given to us through Moses, but grace and truth have come through Jesus. No one has seen God, but he has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said to the woman who was caught in the adultery? He said this, neither do I condemn you. That's grace. But then he said, go and sin no more. You know what that is? Truth. What did Jesus say? Lazarus is dead. That's the truth. But then he said, what? Lazarus, come forth. That's grace. By grace we are saved. That's grace. This is not of ourselves. That's the truth. And such were some of you, as Paul writes. That's the truth. But here's the grace part. But you have been washed. It's not either or. It's both and. God is a God of grace. He gives you second and third and fourth and fifth chances. But God's also a God of truth. And God says, I don't want to wind up at the same spot again next year. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a second, third, fourth chance. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to dig something up, and I want you to put something in. That's what happened in the passage, remember? The, the manager says, I'll dig around it. How many of you have things in your life that it would do good to dig some stuff up? Maybe you got a bad attitude about something. Maybe. I, I feel like this is a word of the Lord for somebody. That someone in here has, has allowed such a root of bitterness to grow into your heart. That until you dig that thing out, you're never going to be able to be redeemed and become the person God wants you to be. And I know you've been hurt and I know you've been wounded and I know that they were wrong and, and you didn't do anything to deserve it. But here's what I know. If you don't dig up that bitterness that's in your heart and learn to forgive. Now, forgiveness is a process. Everybody say process. 
Can I just be honest with you? This is totally unrelated to the first service message. But I really feel like there's somebody here, maybe more than one, who's dealing with this bitterness. And that's the thing that's holding you back. When I found out my son had been sexually abused, I wanted to kill the person. That's not very pastoral. I don't know if you know that or not. But then I went from wanting to kill them to wanting someone else to kill them. How many understand that's progress? Okay, then I didn't want, then I went from wanting to kill them to wanting someone else to kill them to just wishing that their life would suck from here on out. And one day I was preaching and I was preaching about forgiveness and I kind of used that example and I wasn't all the way done yet and I learned something. Never preach about something until you're done with it because I had people leave the church because they say our pastor's not a forgiving guy. I am a forgiving guy, but it just takes time to forgive certain things. And it's a process. So here's what I'm saying to you. You've got to move from I want to kill them to I want someone else to kill them to I wish them a horrible life to I don't wish them any harm to I want God to bless them and redeem them, them to find forgiveness and grace for the sin they've committed, just like I get sin, uh, forgiveness and grace for the sins I've committed. I don't have to have reconciliation because there's no need for that in this type of situation, but I want to wish them God's best in their life. How many know it's a long journey from there to here? But some of you may be barren today because you've let that root of bitterness grow inside of you. And again, you've done nothing wrong, but what it's going to do is destroy you. It's become a prison for your own soul. And so you have to say, God, give me grace to overcome. But you also have to face the truth and say, how did I get here? You got there gradually and then maybe suddenly. And so guess what? You're gonna have to get out of it gradually too. And that brings us to the third thought, and that's this. It's grace and truth over time. Jesus said to, in this parable, he said, here's what we need. All right, three years running. It's not born any fruit, but we're not gonna cut it down. We'll give it another year. That's grace. Dig some stuff up and put some new stuff in. I skipped that point. Because it's not only dig some stuff out, you gotta get some stuff out, but then he says, you gotta get some stuff in. Remember what Paul says? Paul says, take off this, take off this, take off bitterness, take off stripes, take off lying, take off sin. But then he says, don't just take all that off. He says, put on Jesus Christ. So you have to take some stuff out, bitterness, anger, envy, jealousy, pride, but then you gotta put in the word, you gotta put in worship, you gotta put in godly friends, you gotta put in certain things into your life if you want it to be different a year from now. But then you do that over time. It's not gonna happen overnight. It's going to happen over time because the guy says, all right, let's give it a year and then we'll come back. So you wanna know how you redeem your life? Do you wanna know how you allow God to redeem your life? You receive his grace, you face the truth, and you let grace and truth work together over time. And that's what'll redeem your life. How many remember back in school, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm ADD. I have products, you can buy them or not. They're at a table. Thank you, end of pitch. I remember back when you were in school, you were in kindergarten and you got that little cup. Remember that cup, it had dirt in it? And buried at the bottom of that cup of dirt was a seed. And if you were like me, you took that cup home and you put it on the shelf and the window and you let the sun shine on it and the next day you came and looked at it and guess what you had? A cup of dirt with a seed. 
And you went the next day, and what'd you have? A cup of dirt with a seed. And the next day, a cup of dirt with a seed. And on and on and on until eventually something happened. Then you had a sprout, then you had a vine, and then you had what? A tomato on that thing. But you didn't get the tomato after 24 hours, did you? Some things take time. And I'm so glad we're Pentecostal and we believe God can do something in a minute, change a life like that. But here's what I also know. God often changes us through a process of time that we are, re- we are transformed, Romans says, by the renewing of our mind. And that's something that happens day by day by day. So you're here this morning and you say, there's a part of my life that's barren. There's a part of my life that I look and I have not seen the fruit that I want to see. What should I do? Well, here's the truth. You got there gradually then suddenly. But here's grace. You can get out of there. But it's going to take time. See, here's the gospel. Ready? The gospel says this. You are more wicked than you would ever dare admit. That's the truth. But you are more loved than you can ever hope or dream. At the same time, we are as barren as that tree, and Jesus loves us just as much as when we're the most fruitful plant in the garden. Grace and truth, when they kiss each other, it produces a wonder of redemption in our lives. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one moving, no one looking around will be done in just a couple moments. You're here today and you say, Pastor, there's an area of my life that I feel barren. Maybe there's a relational emptiness. Maybe there's a spiritual emptiness. Maybe there's emotional emptiness. Some particular area of my life that there's barrenness there. I'm like that fig tree. I'm not seeing what I want to see. I need grace. I need truth. And I need time. I want that area to be redeemed. I want my whole life to be used for everything that God made it to be. I want my life to fulfill his purpose. I wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray particularly, I felt led as I was preaching to pray for people who are struggling with some kind of bitterness that may be holding you back. Maybe it's hard to forgive somebody's hurt you and wounded you. You're here this morning, I wanna pray for you as well. So you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got some kind of barrenness in my life. And I need God's grace and I need God's truth and I'm gonna apply it over time. I'm gonna believe a year from now, six months from now, a year and a half from now, I'm gonna look back and say, that was the day things began to change in my life. That was the day where grace began to embrace truth. And through that, redemption has flowed into my life. If you're here and you're like that, or you're also here and you've got some area where there's bitterness, that you're never gonna be redeemed. You're never gonna become who you're meant to be while being bitter. Listen to me carefully. I have never seen a happy, bitter person. It just doesn't exist. I don't want you to be that. God wants you to be joyful. So you're either facing some bitterness or you're facing some barrenness. You need grace and truth over time. If that's you, I want you to lift up your hand real quick. I'm gonna pray for you right where you're seated. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. Just lift it in the air. Here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Lift it up all over the place. Yes, yes. Who else? Yes, yes. Lift it up. Hold it high where I can see for just a moment. Yes, hands going up all over. Every section has hands up in there. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that each person here right now would just receive a supernatural measure of your grace. 
Right now, each person who thought that they were too far gone, that their situation was over, that there was nothing left, there was nothing there, that there was no hope, I pray that you would show them right now that it's not over. I pray that you would give them grace to believe that they could have a fresh start, grace to believe that they could have a second chance, grace to believe that they could have a new beginning. Father, supernaturally, through your spirit, just plant grace in their hearts now. I pray also that you would help us, help us to ask questions to find the truth, help us to ask questions. They'll say, how did I get here? And then how can I find my way back to you? I pray, Father, they would take time, time to reflect, time to recenter, time to rest, time to set their hearts on you. Grace, truth, and time. Lord, I just speak redemption and life. I declare the word of the Lord over them that says, I shall not die but live, and declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I declare Philippians 1, 6 over them, for he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. I declare Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Lord, we just declare your word. You are a God of grace and truth. And over time, that grace and truth will embrace and redeem our souls. We thank you for it. It says, bowed eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today. And the choice you need to make is to give your heart to Christ. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer asking Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin and take charge of your life. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three just like I did a moment ago. And I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you've given your heart to Christ, you've prayed that prayer, but you've walked away from God. Or maybe you're here and you just say, Glenn, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure where I stand with God. If you've never given your heart to Christ, if you've walked away and want to come home, or if you're just not sure, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. and Say, Pastor, include me when, I, when you pray. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to be left behind. I want to be included. I want to make sure my heart's right with God. I want to give my heart to Christ. I want to come back to him today. His grace is here for you. His grace is here for you. See, here's the truth. All of us, all of us like sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. But here's the truth. Jesus Christ died for us. Even God sent his own son for us. Even, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, Jesus took our place. You're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. You're here and you want to come back to God. You're here and you're just not sure. I want to pray for you. It says they're bowed, eyes are closed. Let me just count to three again. Are you ready? One. I think that's the best decision you can make. Are you ready to? When I say three, don't wait, don't hesitate. Just shoot your hand in the air and say, Glenn, include me when you pray. I don't want to be left out. I need to give my heart to Christ. I need to come back to God. I want to make sure my heart's right with him. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Lift it up all over the room. Yes, hands going up. One, two, three, four. How many else? Five. Who else? Who else? Six. Who else? Seven. Thank you. Who else? Anyone else? Can we all stand together this morning? Would you give those that lifted their hand to say, I want to give my heart to Christ. Give them a good hand this morning. Encourage them today. Let's all pray with them together so they don't have to pray alone. Pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. And I ask you today, forgive me of my sin take charge of my life. I declare today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, He was buried in the tomb, 
But on the third day, he rose again. And now he lives in me. And I will never, 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 never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a good clap of praise this morning.